This is the EWN Radio Network. Welcome to On the Record with your host, Ashram Lux Lucas. Alright, welcome to another episode of On the Record. I'm your host, Astrum Lux Lucis. And today we have a very special guest in the house, Nikki Glaspie. And Nikki is uh, the founder of her current band, The Nth Power. Um, they're an awesome, incredible sort of funk, pop, world music kind of act and uh, composed of many just incredible musicians that have played with so many different people. Um, It's kind of like a who's who uh, of the music industry and musicians in her band. And um, she is just an amazing woman, and I'm eager to hear her story. So without further ado, welcome Nikki Glaspie. Hey. So Nikki, tell us, how did you get your start in music? Um. I got my start in music um, as a child, actually. Um, I come from a family of musicians. Um, they they don't really play professionally. They just play music and it's just kind of something that you do, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I grew up in church. My grandmother, uh, she was a pastor, and she played every instrument in the band. So I would say that uh, that kind of got passed down, you know, uh, through my family. And uh, my mom, she plays keys. Both of my aunts, they sang. One of my uncles played bass and the other one played drums, you know. So, I mean, I kind of come from a musical family. But uh, we all, they all played in church, you know what I mean? It wasn't really... um, didn't really have the idea or the thought that, you know, you could uh, play music professionally. So uh, when I was born, my mom said that I would just tap on everything. You know, it didn't matter what it was. I was just always beating on stuff, you know. But I, I just, like, always wanted to play drums, you know. And uh, so I got the opportunity in church um, I probably became the full-time drummer for a church when I was about eight or nine. After that, I just, like, kept playing in church, you know. I started marching, marching band in high school. I was in all the bands, jazz band, pep band, symphonic band, concert band. <laughs> I was in wow. every band known to man. And I uh, also did uh, stuff with the chorus, you know, started playing with the chorus, and then I was in the pit, you know, um, playing for the plays and whatnot. Like, literally anything that had to do with the band or drums like I was doing, you know. Um, actually, I met this pastor. His name was uh, William Becton. And, you know, I told him, like, I really want to study music. Like, I want to I wanna pursue this because uh, it's really I just wanted to help people, you know. There is ministry in music and there and there are things that you can do, you know, through music. Like if you think about music, 
you know, it's something that people come in contact with every single day. So I met this guy, and he was like, uh, you should check out, like, the University of Miami. They have a great music program, and also uh, Berkeley College of Music in Boston. So I went online, you know, and I checked out Berkeley, and I was like, oh, my God, this looks amazing. Like, this is totally a place that I want to go, you know. And uh, it's funny because, like, literally the next weekend – I uh, went to uh, A&T for an audition because uh, my band instructor, he went to North Carolina A&T. And so he, you know, like uh, I was a drumline captain, and then there was a drum major who was like one of my best friends, and we were kind of getting groomed, you know what I mean? We were, we were mm-hmm. being groomed to uh, go to a- A&T and go through the program, basically essentially become – band directors Mm -hmm. so uh when i came back from the audition um i told my mom i was like hey let's go to mars music because uh jr robinson is going to be there he's doing a clinic so my mom took me there and he was standing outside smoking a cigarette and i was like hey man you know like i love you and uh, i'm thinking about you know going to berkeley and he was like, you know, that's a great school. I went there, you know, it's a good school. He's like, but there's really one thing that you need to know. And he said, groove. You just need to play groove. And that's mm-hmm. all you need to know. You know, and I was like, all right, man. You know, cool. Sounds awesome. <laughs> you know? It was really cool meeting him and for him to give me that uh, tidbit of advice. Because little yeah. did I know then that that's exactly what would carry me and propel me through my career is that mm. one little word, you mm. know, groove. Yeah. You know, because that's it. That's that's all it's about. As far as uh, drumming is concerned, you know, for drummers, that's really all that it is, is groove. So mm. I went to Berkeley. I went there really to just kind of check it out to see if I could go to the school. But I went there for, like, the summer program for the percussion week. And it changed my life. You know, I went there, and it was just drums everywhere. And I was like, oh, my God, this is amazing. I was going to play drums all the time. And there were just people there that, you know, like-minded people that just wanted to play drums as well. But, Mm -hmm. I mean, it definitely was – it definitely – I mean, it was a glimpse into what the school could be. So – I went to Berkeley. I met some of the greatest people that I've ever met that I still know, that I still play with to this day. Um, It was definitely a learning experience, but one that opened my mind to the possibility or what even the music industry was. You know, Mm. it was just such a foreign concept to me. As a kid that, like, grew up in church just playing music, you know, for fun. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like, yeah, like, I got paid a little bit, you know what I mean? But it wasn't actually, like, I never had the idea that, like, make money, like, as a profession for life, you know? Yeah. It was just like, it was just like, I want to help people and I want to play music, you know? Yeah. When did that shift happen for you that you realized that you could do this for a living? I mean, it, it's funny because 
you would think that it would happen before I went to college because it was like, okay, this is what I'm going to do for the rest of my life. But it really didn't happen that way. I think it happened while I was there, you know. Uh And um, I distinctly remember um, just going to concerts and, like, watching people and being like, oh, my God, I'll never, ever be able to do that. You know, like, I'll never be as good as them. Like, I don't even know what they're hearing or what they're listening to. You know, Mm. I don't even know how they're able to do that. You know, but then uh, when I was 19, I was in my uh, sophomore year, my my great aunt, she passed away. And the moment that she passed away was like when my ears changed. That's Mm. when I was able to hear what, was going on musically and really like understand it. You know, it's like, it's different when you like listen to music and you listen to it your whole life. It's like, you know, you don't really know, you know, what's, what's going on. It's just like computers, you know, we use computers, you know, but it's like, we're not uh, the technicians or the ones that like make it work. We don't really know how it works. It's like, yeah, there's a motherboard and there's all this circuitry, but it's like, I don't know how that works. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So yeah. it's kind of like the same thing with music. It's like, yeah, I can hear it and I can enjoy it, but it was like I didn't really know uh, what was happening or what was going into it to make the sound, you know? Hmm. Are you talking so, about like uh, as far as you being able to create your own drum parts for, for people, like doing something original or like describe no, just, that a little just, bit more? just as far as 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 the entire musical work like how does that work you know like mm. what is the bass playing what is the guitar playing what are the drums doing what are the keys doing how does it all work together to make a sound mm. you know in 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 that sense mm-hmm. um so basically i went to a music soul child concert and i saw uh Lil John Roberts, he was playing drums for Music Soul Child then. And it was like, it was that moment when it all clicked in my head. And I was like, I can do this. I can do this. I want to do this. I'm going to do this, you know. And then um, I just started playing with any and everybody, you know. And that's probably the the biggest piece of advice that I can give to any musician or any young musician is to play everything because you never know what you'll get called for. You know, Mm -hmm. when I first got to Berkeley, I was like obsessed with like Afro-Cuban and like salsa music, you know, and then I went to this little club called Wally's Jazz Club, Jazz Cafe. It's on Massachusetts Avenue. And it's like a staple of Boston. Like Mingus played in there and Miles Davis and like a bunch of cats used to come through and play in that jazz club. So I went down there and I was a minor, you know, (laughs) (laughs) but um, I had a teacher, his name was Francisco Mela. He uh, convinced, you know, the uh, owner to let me in. He's like, Hey, this is my student. You know, she plays drums. I just want her to come in here and listen to us play. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So they let me in. And uh, then I heard about Tuesday nights, which was like funk fusion night. 
And I went down there on a Tuesday night, you know, stood outside, I begged them, you know, let me in, let me in. They finally <laughs> let me in. <laughs> and uh, that's really what uh, kind of changed my path uh, musically. I, I, I learned how to play funk music and groove in that club, in Wally's Jazz Cafe. Mm. So I met a couple of people. I met uh, Mark Kelly, uh, Charles Haynes, um, Jeff Lockhart. Jeff Lockhart is probably uh, one of my biggest uh, influences as far as funk music is concerned. Like he, he never said a word to me, but he taught me, you know, exactly what to do. You know what <laughs> I mean? Just by listening, you know? Yeah. So mm-hmm. um, him and uh, Sam Kenninger, He's a guy that I uh, like went on my first uh, couple of tours with. He was the alto saxophone player in this band called Soul Live. Um, he toured around with Dave Matthews for a second. You know, it's like I was really blessed to uh, meet these people that were willing to impart their knowledge to me, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. Uh, but it's like, you know, at the same time, I was I was open to that, you know. It's like I yeah. I understood that like you can learn anything from anybody, you know. It doesn't yeah. matter what they do, you you can learn the right thing to do, or you can you can learn the wrong thing. You know, it's like oh, you know what? I I know not to do that because I watched this guy do that, and like that didn't work. You know, mm-hmm. so it's like there's yeah. something to learn from everybody. You yeah. know. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Hey, Rockstar, you know you've got a great big juicy destiny out there, but you also know that in order to get it, you're gonna have to sell out. No, you can totally rock out and brand yourself with full integrity. Dream on! Success equals selling out. You're talking about a whole new branding paradigm that doesn't even exist. Sure it does. It's called soul branding. Soul branding? What? Soul branding is you in all your glory. Rock your purpose, be paid for your passion. No way. Way. So where do I get a soul brand? Here at Cogflower Creative, soul branding is our thing. We'll help you find your authentic soul brand. How? Go to cogflowercreative.com slash on the record to learn more about soul branding and get $500 off your soul brand package. Crikey, I'm in. All right. So what are you going to do with your soul brand? I'm a sellout baby with passion. (laughs) Don't listen to this guy, friends. You don't have to sell out to play full out. Brand with soul and shine your life. Cogflower Creative. Shine on. Hi, this is Ashton Luxlusis, host of On the Record on the EWN Radio Network. With aligning with North America's number one resource for connecting and promoting women in business positively influence your business profile and success? Does the idea of positioning your product or service as champion of an exceptional international online platform tailored to women in business sound lucrative? Do you want collaborations with high-caliber, like-minded, like-hearted women in business? On-the-record sponsorship opportunities will provide you with just that and more. Over half a million women business owners and corporate professionals connected, 1,500-plus women's business events yearly, and the largest four-day international conference produced annually. Over a quarter million monthly listeners are eager to learn about your business. Call Tammy Markham at 512-914-3952. That's 512-914-3952 to secure your sponsorship spots today. And we're back on the record. 
so, I mean, I just kind of took that philosophy of life and just, you know, just kind of ran with it. Like everybody that I came in contact with, it didn't matter what they did. They were a carpenter or an electrician or, you know, they did uh, LED lights or video or, you know, because all of that stuff, it, it, it all uh, goes hand in hand, especially in the music industry and like what we do or what I do specifically. Um mm-hmm. You know, I had the opportunity to tour around with Beyonce, and I learned so much because I hung out with everybody. You know, it's like there's a guy that puts the stage together. You know, he's a carpenter. You know what Mm -hmm. I mean? It's like his skill set is not typically what you think would be in the music industry, but he is Mm -hmm. so needed and such a valuable part of uh, what's happening, you know, it's like, there's, there's so many jobs for everyone, you know, there's, there's all types of job opportunities. It's like, okay, yeah, I'm an electrician. Hey, guess what? Uh, The stage and the lights and the video, they need electricity, (laughs) you know, like Mm -hmm. you got to get the elevator moving, you know what I mean? So it's like, um, I try to take in as much as possible from, from all angles, from everyone. You know, because yeah. then it, it only yeah. helps me as an artist, you know, it only helps me to know what's going on, you know, so that I can one day, you know, do that on my own, do it myself.
let's go back a little bit. So how did you get hooked up with Beyonce? How did that all come about? Because that's like well, probably like a pretty big, you know, a big stepping stone. Yeah, it was a, it was a huge stepping stone. Um, I I left Berkeley. Uh, my whole family, my parents, they were unhappy. They were like, "What are you doing with your life?" You know, <laughs> like like you don't. I didn't graduate, you know. But it's like I figured out. It's, it was kind of like a trade school, you know. It's like you go mm-hmm. there, you pick up the tools that you need, and then you move on. You know, mm-hmm. I'm in the music industry. There's no one asking me for a piece of paper that says, uh, you know, what college did you graduate from? Do you have a degree or, you know what I mean? It's just all uh, experience and like word of mouth, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I left Berkeley and I moved to New York. I didn't have any money, but I was like, I'm going to make this work however it can. And uh, I got an inbox in uh, my MySpace account. I don't know if anybody remembers that <laughs> old technology, <laughs> yeah. but uh, somebody was like, "Hey, man, uh, Beyonce is having uh, auditions. You should go." You know, yeah. and in my head, I'm thinking, "Really? Like, okay, she's probably just gonna put together a all female band for like two weeks. You know, go play some TV shows or whatever." You know, I thought yeah. it was like a gimmick. You know, like kind of like American Idol or something like that. You know. Mm-hmm. And then uh, I went to the audition. I had to like make the decision to go because I didn't have any money, and I had two gigs when the audition was happening. Oh wow! And it was like I had like fifty bucks in my pocket, you know. And it was like, hey, you could go up to Nantucket and make four hundred bucks, or you can stay in New York and like take a shot, you know, on this audition. You know, yeah. someone mm-hmm. told me to do the audition, so I did. I went to the yeah. audition. Uh, they called me back like a week later. You know, I was like, for a whole week, I was like, oh, man, I didn't get the gig. Like, you know. Yeah. <laughs> and then they called me, and they're like, congratulations, you know, you've been selected to come back and, you know, go through another audition process. Mm-hmm. So I went through about three audition processes. And wow. then uh you know, uh, the last day they had the 10 of us in the room and they said, you know, you guys have been selected to be in the band, you know? And wow. I remember, I remember it like yesterday as I called my dad, it was father's day. It was a Sunday and I called my dad and I was like, I got the gig and he screamed on the phone. He's like, no, you didn't. No, you didn't. I was like, yeah, I did. I got the gig. He's like, no, you didn't. No, you didn't. <laughs> so it's like this going back and forth, you know, for like 15 minutes. And I'm like, no, I'm serious. I got the gig, you know. And he oh was like, God. oh, my God. Oh, my God. It's unbelievable. You know, but I, I definitely attribute that to uh, my grandfather because I had lost him uh, earlier in the year, you know. And, I, I mean, I have a huge... Uh, spiritual foundation and belief and uh, you know it was just like when I lost my great aunt you know things changed for me you know it was mm-hmm. like she was working for me and yeah. then when my grandfather left you know it was like the biggest thing that had ever happened to me in my life you yeah. know it's like you go from playing clubs for 50 bucks a night 
to playing with the biggest pop star in the world, like literally yeah. overnight. Like it happened yeah. overnight. Like I had 50 bucks in my pocket, you know? Yeah. But yeah. it's like, um, you know, I, I definitely am a firm believer that, you know, the people that love you and that go on, you know, they work for you, mm-hmm. you know, because I mean, yeah. it's like, there's, there's no other explanation for it, you know? And then, yeah. uh, you know, to fast forward a little bit, you know, I lost my grandmother a couple of years ago and that's when my band started, you uh-huh. know, and that's when like things started happening with that. And, and it's like, uh, you know, I'm being shown like every day, you know, life is just like an amazing journey and it's all intertwined and, and nothing, it, you can take nothing for granted and nothing just happens, you know, just happenstance, you know, it's mm-hmm. not, you know, it's, it, it's, it's all, it's all very important. Like everything that happens is for a reason, you yeah. know, it, nothing is for naught, you know? Yeah. Yeah. But, um, I got, yeah, I got to tour around the world several times over with Beyonce and uh, it was a great experience and I feel like it was actually a launching pad, you know, for me personally, mm-hmm. Yeah. you know, and, and it's funny because people would be like, Oh, a launching pad. Like that's, a, you know, <laughs> yeah. but, but in my mind, no, that's not as big as it gets, you know, it's like, that was, that was like a graduate school. You know, mm, yeah, that's how yeah. I looked at that gig. It's like, okay, I went through college, you know, like I left and then I went and did like my life experiences for a little bit. And then I got into graduate school and I went and I toured around the world uh, with Beyonce, you know. Yeah. And then uh, I got to uh, do a couple of things with her in the studio. I was on the album four, you know, I was on a couple of DVDs that she put out. You know, um, but it was like after the point where I got on, you know, her albums, I was like, uh, you know, I I think I've topped out. There's not really anything else that I can do here, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's mm-hmm. like I, I've reached the, the pinnacle of like what this uh, gig has to offer me, you know. Mm-hmm. So after that, I, I decided to leave and I started playing with uh, Ivan Neville. Uh, he has a band called Dumpster Funk. I started playing with them, and uh, they are uh, a prestigious family from New Orleans. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you ever heard of the Neville Brothers. Mm-hmm. I had an opportunity yeah. to uh, play with them because I was playing with Ivan, you know, and that was just another... It was just another thing, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's like I went through the graduate program, now I'm in doctorate <laughs> school, you know, I'm like going to get my PhD, you know, and uh, nice. that was that was an amazing experience, you know. I learned a lot from those guys because they're all um, 20, 30 years older than me, you know. Mm-hmm. So it was like I was, at first I was on the road, you know, with a pop star, with a lot of people that were similar in age, some people younger than me, some people a little bit older, but not exactly, you know. So then when Mm -hmm. I started playing with these guys, they had been touring as long as I'd been alive, 
Yeah. You know? So it's like they had seen it all, and they had done it all, like everything, anything you could possibly imagine, you know? Mm -hmm. Uh, And, like, all of them uh, separately and collectively, you know? So Ivan, he he used to play with uh, Bonnie Raitt. Uh, Tony played with uh, Jewel and Trey Anastasio and uh, a, uh, a lot of a lot of different people. Nick Daniels he played with uh, Etta James and uh, Boss Skaggs and like you know it's like the list goes on and on and on of yeah. like who these guys have played with, you know. So <clears throat> they took all of that knowledge and all of those years and and, and stuff on the road you know, and they imparted it to me, you know? Yeah. It's like I'm the young kid on the block, and, uh, you know, they were nice enough and generous enough, you know, to share their life experiences with me. And not yeah. only through, like, traveling and talking, but through playing music, you know? It's like mm-hmm. you, you tell stories in uh, playing music, you you know? It's like you give people your life story, you know? Yeah, playing music and people can feel that they can feel it when you're when you're like bearing your soul or when you're you know when you're unhappy it's like they can feel that when you're happy they can feel that too you know Mm -hmm. and I think that that is the connection that we have you know with people with our audiences you know so it's like yet again it's like I'm I'm still in school you know, I always tell people this. People ask me, like, when I go to the movie theater, they're like, you a student? And I'm like, yes, <laughs> I am. I'm a student in Life University. Are you going to give me that discount? <laughs> you know? They're like, yeah. no. Like, do you have a student ID? Like, no, I don't have a student ID. You know? You should make but one up. Like, yeah, exactly. I should make one, right? Life University, get a little logo, you know? <laughs> yeah. We'll be right back. I'm looking for a certain kind of woman, and I think you know her. She's an entrepreneur that is highly connected, successful, significant in her own industry, and considered the go-to woman in her community. She's received so much from so many women in business, she's ready to give back to others on their journey, lifting as she climbs. Hi, this is Sandra Yancey, and I'm the founder and CEO of eWomen Network. I'm looking to connect with the woman I've just described who lives in your community so that we might have a conversation about how eWomen Network's proven success system can provide her a platform to elevate her success and ability to support women in business. Our international community of managing directors are influencing the speed of success for women in business around the world. If that sounds like something that you want to be part of or know someone we should talk with, send an email to managingdirector at eWomenNetwork.com. That's managingdirector at eWomenNetwork.com. And let's start the conversation. And we're back on the record. Talking on this subject of, of school, so let's go back a little bit. So what are some of the things that you learned on, you know, with Beyonce versus what you learned then with Ivan and how, how do those contrast or what was similar, what was different and what was like some key takeaways that you got from both of those experiences? Yeah, I mean, there were, there are two completely different worlds. What I got from Beyonce, I, I got work ethic specifically from her. 
Hmm. Specifically from her, I learned about uh, work ethic, you know, and that you can't take no for an answer, you know. She would not take no for an answer. She's like, okay, I don't care. Like, figure it out. You know, like, this is what I want. I'm not compromising what I want, so figure it out. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah, yeah, we got, you got, you know, we have an LED wall that's 60 by 60 feet. You know what I mean? And they're like, yeah, well, you know, we can, the door is only, you know, this wide and, like, this tall, you know, and it's like, figure it out. You know, it's like, it's a puzzle, (laughs) you know, like, take it apart get it through the doorway and then put it back together. You know what I mean? It's like, uh, just, you know, um, stuff like that. And then I also learned from, like I said, from the guys around me, you know, I'd ask Mm -hmm. them, how does this light work? You know, like how do Mm -hmm. these spots work? So you mean to tell me that every night there's different guys operating the spots, you know? So how do they know? when, you know, to turn the spotlight on, you know, and then there's like, okay, well, I'm the lighting director, so I call the spots, you know what I mean? There's eight spots. I go, you know, spot three, stage left, you know, and then boom, it goes on, you know, Mm -hmm. just like uh, operational things like that. And, um, yeah, I mean, probably the most important thing was the work ethic, I would say, is what I took away from her because, she probably is the hardest working woman in show business. <laughs> I can attest yeah. to that, you know. Yeah. Uh, from being in rehearsals with her and not being in rehearsals with her while we were in rehearsals, she was in dance rehearsal, or while we had a day off, she was, you know, recording something else. It was like, you know, she just works nonstop. Um, yeah. And then uh, what I got from Ivan and the guys is just like literally just like experience you know it's Mm -hmm. just like how to like command a stage you know um also got that from beyonce just performance you know it's not it's not just about the music but there is visual as well (laughs) you know which is something that i never thought about before Mm -hmm. and something that i kind of loathed to be honest with you because I was, I, I'm like a musician. I'm like a musician's musician. I'm like, I care about what I sound like. I don't care about what I look like. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, you care about what I look like, but I don't care about, I care more about the sound than anything else. Mm-hmm. But they were like, yeah, but you got to have the visual to go along with the sound, you know? Mm-hmm. And yeah. the more that I got into it, the more I started to understand, like, yes, okay, to give these people a full experience you know, they need to, they need to have this part too, you know, Mm -hmm. because for some people it is visual, you know, some people are audio and some people are, you know, visual, they need to see things in order to hear things, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, but from, from Ivan and, uh, Dumpster Funk from Tony and Nick, you know, I really learned, uh, um, just, I guess how to run a business, how to run your own business, you Mm. know, and how to run your own like successful business and not to be afraid to tell a manager or a booking agent, no, because that doesn't work for you, you know, because at the end of the day, it's like, it's our art, it's our art form, it's our craft, you know, 
So mm-hmm. obviously, I'm going to have uh, the biggest <laughs> opinion about it, but it's my baby. So no one's right. going to treat my baby the way that I do. Right. Yeah. So having the wherewithal to to know that you can say no, to know mm-hmm. that, like, you can make decisions because it's yours, you yeah. know? And I think that a lot of artists uh, get pigeonholed into that, like, here's your manager, here's your booking agent, you know, here's the, the person that's going to tell you what you're going to do for the next year and a half, like how you're going to spend your life. Here are the interviews that, you know, we set up for you. This is what, you know, this is what we have for you. And it's like, nah, you know, this is mine. I'm going to tell you what I need you to do for me, not the Mm -hmm. other way around. Yeah. Because actually I'm the one that's creating what you're selling. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, so uh, that's kind of what I got uh, from those guys, and and that's kind of the difference uh, between the two uh, gigs, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, and that's great wisdom to have, too, because I think a lot of, uh, you know, younger, just starting out artists, bands, musicians, and stuff, they get trapped into that, well, oh, my God, we finally got somebody interested in us. We just better do everything they tell us to do. Right, And then they just get dragged down this path of, you know, doing stuff they don't want to do and getting burnt yep. out and, you know, maybe even giving away some of their rights and stuff like that because they kind of get in that desperation mode. So that yep. was great advice that they gave, yeah. Let's talk a little bit yep. about, because I know that this, you know, I'm a musician myself and, and I go through this procedure a lot, but auditioning people. What's it like to go into an audition on that big of a scale as far as like Beyonce's like, do you see a difference between just like auditions you've gone on in the past versus the one you went in with Beyonce? And what were some, what were, what were some tips that you could give people who, you know, might be looking to get into the caliber of, I want to play with these big stars, but the audition process is a whole lot different than let's just go in and jam and have fun, drink some beers. You know, it's like, yeah, yeah. You know. I mean, well, the first thing is like professionalism. You know, mm-hmm. uh showing up early. You know, it's like I know a lot of musicians who shoot themselves in the foot because like they're just late. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like mm-hmm. it's like, yeah, you can play. You know, you can play circles around people, but you can't get to the gig at eight o'clock. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? It's like mm-hmm. the gig starts at eight o'clock and you show up at eight ten. It's like, no, you're already fired, you know? Yeah, right. Um, you know, they say, what, to be to be on time is to be late, to be early is to be on time, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That, that definitely applies, you know, because you miss out on things when you're late, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I would also say just uh, just looking presentable, you know what I mean? Just, uh, <laughs> not looking like a bum off the street. <laughs> Or, you know, a homeless person. That definitely helps in the audition process, you know. And then just how you speak, how you use your words, you know, how you communicate with people. You know, it's 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 always more than just playing music, mm-hmm. you know. And I think that, that is the biggest thing or the main thing that musicians should know. Is that yeah. hey, you know what? It's 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 almost about everything else. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, 
because, like, you can find anybody to play. Anybody can play. Yeah. You know, but it's like, um, you know, we have a we have a thing that we say, you know, you have to have the gig itself has to have three of the things, you know, and uh, two or two of the three things in order to be able to uh, do it, to actually like do a gig, you know, a gig either has to pay good money, mm-hmm. it has to have great people, or it has to be great music. You know, mm-hmm. it's like you have to have two of those things. You either have to have great people and great money and music is not that great, or you have to have uh, great music and great people and the money's not that great, or you have great music and great money and the people aren't that great. You can't have, uh, you know, if you have all three of those things, that's amazing. You know, right. yeah. like be, like playing with people that uh, are awesome makes music so much better. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. It makes it so much better. So, like, if you're not a jerk, you know, most of the time, like, you'll get the gig. You know yeah. what I mean? Even if a guy can play better than you, if he's not cool, then they're not going to want to go on the road with that guy. Right. Know? Yeah. Yeah. So, but as far as, like, actually going to an audition, um, I've only done auditions in my life wow and uh when the first one i actually auditioned for pink when i was like 18 which was like oh, a wow. long shot but yeah. uh it was really cool you know the, the guy was like man you're an amazing drummer and uh i'm sure i'll see you at some point down the road but i'm pretty sure i was too young you know for them to bring out i was too green you know yeah for them mm-hmm. to bring out on the road, like, they needed to know that, you know, like, I was a workhorse and that yeah. I would be able to do uh, 12-hour rehearsals a day without breaking down, you know what I yeah. mean? Yeah. And a lot of that is, is, like, mental preparation. You have to have that as well because people think that, like, once you get a gig that the hard part's over, that the work is over. No, that's just when it's starting, right. you know? Mm-hmm. If anybody had told me, the amount of work that I would have to do being uh, Beyonce's drummer, I would have been like, nah, you're crazy, you know? <laughs> but, yeah. but when I got in there, I was like, oh, my God, what did I sign up for, you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, like, you know, when you work for somebody like that, like, she strives for, for perfection, you know? Yeah. So that means that you are also lumped into that. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> you have to strive for perfection as well, you know? Yeah. So, I mean, it's like it's not I – w- I would say that it's not all that it seems to be. Everyone thinks that it's, like, fun and games and, like, it's awesome. And, yeah, it is awesome, but it's a lot of hard work. You know, mm-hmm. it's like you just don't get there without doing hard work. You know, right. I think there's a lot of people that, you know, they want these auditions and they want these opportunities, but they don't want to do the work that goes into it. We'll be right back. Hi, I'm Sandra Yancey, founder and CEO of eWomen Network. One of my mottos for business owners is, you can't do it alone. Whether you're in the startup stage of your business or you're scaling, you can't grow without relationships to provide support, wisdom, and new customers. eWomen Network is your home to connect with other women entrepreneurs who have been where you are or are experiencing the same challenges. 
We have chapters across the U.S. and Canada that have monthly events featuring our trademarked process called Accelerated Networking to ensure you get the contacts, resources, and leads you need to grow your business. And once you become a member, you get many benefits, including two one-on-one coaching sessions, unlimited access to our membership database, your own personal profile page, and discounts on products and services with our business partners, such as UPS and American Express Open. Join the eWomen Network community and let us help you live your dream. For details, visit eWomenNetwork.com. And we're back on the record. So now you're, you know, you, you've got, you know, your grad school with the, with the guys. And so now you're starting your own practice, right? That's where we are with Ents Power? Yep, that's where we are with Ents Power. <laughs> nice. And so that came about through um, at uh, a jazz fest. You guys were just after hours kind of jamming. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, uh, it was a gig, you know. Um, uh, the guitar player and I, we play in this band called the Jen Hartswick Band. And uh, Jen had called me up because she was like, yo, the bassist and the regular keyboard player in her band couldn't make it. And she was like, you know anybody? And I was like, yeah, of course. I know I know a bass player, you know. And uh, I had been talking to Nate for a while. And he was saying that he was trying to get into the scene because he had been touring around with a reggae band for about a decade. And uh, he was like, man, you know, I really want to play some other music. I really want to get out there and do some other stuff. And I was like, all right, man, you know, if I if I hear of anything, you know, I'll throw it your way. You know, so when she called me, I was like, oh, it was a perfect opportunity uh, for Nate to come and uh, do some playing, you know. So I called him up. He's like, of course, I'll come down there. I'll do it, you know. And then she asked me about Nigel Hall. She's like, what about Nigel? You think he'd uh, be down to do the gig? I was like, yeah, like, call him up. He's great. You know, we played together a little bit um, because uh, we have mutual friends in uh, Lettuce and Soul Live. So, uh, you know, it's like there's a lot of circles that mm-hmm. intertwine, you know, yeah. in the mm-hmm. uh, music business and in, in the industry. So literally, like, we played the gig, and at Soundcheck, we, we looked around, and we were like, oh, my God, this is a band. You know, we should start mm-hmm. doing something immediately. And we did. We started writing and recording immediately, and um, it's kind of how the band started, which is crazy. Just uh, impromptu kind of yeah. thing, you know. But, um, yeah, I mean, it was really like a blessing from God, you know, just how it all began. And uh, the music that we made, you know, uh, and the music that we're still making now, <clears throat> it's, um, I've, I've, I've never played with a group of people or uh, released anything so quickly that we have. I mean, literally within within a year, we had recorded an EP and mixed and mastered and released it, you know? Like, we met that Jazz Fest. The next Jazz Fest, we were playing gigs as that band, you know, selling EPs, you know? Nice, yeah. Which was like yep. a huge step for me and my like professional development, uh, yeah. just being able to like let something go, like let it fly, 
you know, mm-hmm. like as yeah. far as uh, being being a musician is concerned, like I know for a fact that like we sit on things. Like I have I have probably a hundred songs in my computer that will never see the light of day. You know, mm-hmm. just because like I'm so anal about it and like oh this isn't right, this isn't perfect. You know, like I can't release this, I can't let this out. You know, mm-hmm. so for us to have done that so quickly was like, you know something there's something to be said for that and it was special
And now were you and, pretty much running the business side of things back then too? Did you kind of become the, I guess the manager and producer and everything all rolled yeah. into one? Yeah. Yeah. Kind of all rolled into one. Yeah. Because, uh, I guess like I just had the drive, you know what I mean? Or the initiative mm-hmm. to, to do so because I was like, man, I can't let this slip through the cracks. You know, yeah. I was, yeah. if anybody has to do it, then it, it's gotta be me, you know? Mm-hmm. So, uh, Nate Nate has uh, definitely uh, grown into the role as well. We kind of co-manage the band right now. Okay. Yeah. And so how did you guys go about getting bookings? Did you just call up agents and try to get an agent right off, or did you have to do your own bookings in the beginning? Yeah, we were kind of doing our own bookings in the beginning, totally. Yeah. And then uh, uh, we were working with, this other agent who was Dumpster Funk's agent at the time, you know, we were working with them. And then um, this other guy was brought to us, you know, by some friends of ours. And uh, we just uh, got hooked up with him, you know, and he was like, yeah, I'd love to book your band. And then that that's it, you know? <laughs> nice. Yeah. Cool. But yeah, I mean, I, we, 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 I, I did most of the booking in the beginning just from, you know, personal relationships, you know, which mm-hmm. is going back to what I was talking about before, you know, is that you talk to everybody and, you know, if you're cool, if you're like a nice person, then, you know, people will help you out if you need some help, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's like, I actually have, re- have relationships with club owners and promoters, you know, on my own and was like, Hey, you know, I got a van. You think we can come play your club, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. Nice. Well, Nikki, we're nearing the end, and I usually like to ask our guests to share some final words of wisdom. Final words of wisdom. (laughs) Uh, I mean, I guess this can apply to everyone. Um, You know, not just musicians. I, I tell musicians this all the time, though. If you if you want to become a better musician, try to become a better person, you know, mm-hmm. and that applies across the board. If you're trying to become a better become a better computer programmer, or a better lawyer, or a better doctor, or anything, if you're trying to become better at anything, try to become better at life. You know, it's mm-hmm. like I feel like a lot of people they walk around. You know, not even knowing, like, what they're supposed to do or why they're here or anything like that. But it's like, just be kind to your fellow man, you know? Just be kind to the person that's beside you, you know? If if everyone took care of the person to the left or the right of them, then, like, the world would be fine, you know? But it's like you have people that are just so consumed with greed and power and money and respect. And it just, like, it kills, it kills us, you know? It's like we're killing ourselves, you know? And it's like it's just such a simple thing or a simple concept to me that I think, uh, you know, that we can grasp is that, hey, man, if if the guy beside you doesn't have any food and you have food, you know, give him some, <laughs> you know? <laughs> it's like we just need to take care of each other. Like, that's really it. 
Well, folks, that wraps up another episode of On the Record. Tune in next week.